What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita, and we are back now on the 22nd of February, 2023. This is the beginning of the best time of year. Major League Baseball season is around the corner. Pitchers and catchers and position players, they've all reported to spring training. We're only a few days away from spring training games beginning to be played. And we're only a few days away from myself flying out to Arizona for spring training. So I'll be taking the show on the road. I'll be doing some podcasts out in Arizona, and they'll be going out to Florida. So really a great time of year. And with it, is that it's the beginning of our Jack Vita Show MLB preview series. So this is episode one of six. Over the next month, we will be releasing... Six division previews to talk and preview the 2023 Major League Baseball season. Today, we're going to get started with the American League West. This is a division that I believe we've began with now four straight years. And we have a great guy, great guest joining us for this preview. Now, again, I can't believe it's been four straight years. Anthony France, he's the chief meteorologist, not only in Midland, Texas, but also of the Jack Vita show. So, Anthony, yep. welcome back to the show. Vita, thanks for having me back. This is, uh, I'm looking forward to this every year. Uh, even my uncle, this my uncle Ken, loves this episode of the podcast every year to see mine and yours uh, opinions on the American League West. And I'm ready. I got all my notes. I'm prepared for what's to happen here. Uh, it's going to be a fun division, I think. My my notes are all up here, baby. I've been uh, yeah. <laughs> every single day. I'm writing about baseball. When I'm, every day I'm working, I'm writing about baseball. So hopefully, I've retained a good enough amount of information. Yeah, yeah. You're, but, you're you're more into the space every day. I I had to kind of yeah. go into it the last couple of days and <laughs> refresh my memory on some of these like off season acquisitions. For all five teams, stuff like that. Yes, and of course, Anthony is a diehard, longtime Texas Rangers fan. He's rocking his great There's No Crying in Baseball t-shirt. <laughs> I've got a shirt on here. You see this one? My phone's actually the other direction. You're going to okay. have to describe it to me. <laughs> I actually am wearing a Los Angeles Angels shirt. Because I collect okay. Under Armour apparel and MLB merch, and I got this shirt. And I also have an A's shirt, and I got a number of other teams. But I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to wear the Angel shirt because I'm probably not going to be too flattering, speaking too flatteringly of the Angels. So maybe this can cushion the blow a little bit. To the, it seems like every the year they have a they have a decent team on paper, and every year they underperform. <laughs> It's the same story every single year. Maybe it's different this year. Maybe it's different this year. We'll talk about it. Before we dive into our projections, and we're going to try to give you the over-under numbers on each team, where we think these teams are going to end up in terms of wins and where they could be in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um, before we do that, do you have any thoughts, Anthony, on how Major League Baseball is going to look a little bit different this year with some of these rule changes? Yeah, the rule changes. I'm, I kind of like it, if I'm being totally honest. I mean, I was never a huge fan of this shift. I like how we have 
two guys on both sides of the infield. I think it's a good thing. It's more traditional. I know people don't really want the traditional, but eh, I like it. And I also kind of like the bigger bases. It's a, you get more, you can get bigger, uh, more aggressive people on the base pads with the fact that there's only two pickoffs that you can have right now too. You're going to see just people flying on the bases. It's exciting, right? I think it'll be a lot of fun. I really like uh, getting rid of the shift. I think that it's going to be yeah. a good thing for the game. I think it's going to... I think, you know, the, the counterpoint is people say, well, why don't these guys just get better at hitting the ball the other way? And I do think that if we mm-hmm. had continued with the shift, eventually that would happen. Eventually there'd be a way to beat the shift. These things evolve. Guys evolve. But in terms of making this a more entertaining product... Getting rid of the shift is going to be good. People aren't going to the ballpark because they want to see a guy positioned in the exact same spot where the ball is going to be hit. What will be good is it will reward players that have range um, defensively and are very athletic and gifted defensive players. So I think that's going to be a good thing for the game because those guys are going to be uh, valued more highly and they'll get paid for it as well. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, Very good point right there. And we'll see a little more offense. The one that I'm not, I have not come around on is the ninth inning, or sorry, the extra innings runner on second base rule, which is now here to stay permanently. Right. And my thought process is I understand the heart of we want to get these games. We don't want these games always going to the 18th inning. We don't want to tax the bullpens, but. To me, it's like I think it'd be the the way that it plays out is when you start with a runner at second base, it becomes a sack bunt competition. So the team in the top half of the inning is typically trying to score as many runs as they can. If they don't score any right. runs, bottom half team, the home team, push bunt, get the guy to third base, and now all yeah. you gotta do is hit the ball in the outfield and the game's over. Sack fly, boom, it's over. You're right. Uh and and the term people like to use is free baseball. It's not like we don't want extra right. innings. It's free baseball, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I love long extra inning games. It's going to become less and less common now, of course, but uh, it's something of the past, and we'll just have to get used to it, I guess. Uh, my <laughs> suggestion would be to play the 10th normally, play the 11th normally, and then maybe when you get to the 12th, then you can yep. put a runner on first base. And I think the runner on first base makes a huge difference because then you can't do a bunt and a sack fly. You actually have to move right. that runner over. Or maybe the guy steals, which is good because we like stealing. Um, right. And then as the game goes longer and longer, maybe you get to the 14th inning and now you got a runner on second base and then it keeps going further. Maybe you got a runner on first and second base. I think I that'd be like a better that. way to do it. Yeah, because most extra inning games are going to be over after the 11th anyway. So right. yeah, very like high that. percentage of games are over after 11 innings. They typically don't go. It's a rarity that these games go longer than that. And there's well, no like yeah. back in the old rules, maybe a team had four or five games in a whole season that went 12 innings. That's not, it's not that many, right? It's not a serious problem. Another thing they did that I thought was odd was they put in this new rule where it's like, Position players are only allowed to pitch right. in, the ec- in extra innings or 
in the ninth inning when the team's up like six runs or or it's like or if the team's up 10 runs earlier in the game i don't understand this like this is like this feels like uh like too political like we're having too many laws here just let the people manage how they want to manage it does seem like it's been the the commissioner's office is kind of micromanaging a little bit right like it, it does kind of seem like that. I think it's so minuscule. I'm not really worried about it. It's not going to come into effect that often, but you're right. It's one of those things that they could have just done without. I just, it's, to, it's one of, it's not going to greatly impact the game, but it's no. kind of like the, the other one with the, we're going to have this intentional walk where you just gesture and the guy's going to go to first base. I, I still don't like that. And I just don't understand, like, it just seems like an unnecessary change. Whereas, like, this, the um, the core idea of the ghost runner on second base, although I don't agree with it, there's a purpose to it. It serves a purpose. I see what they're going for. But, to like, who's got a problem with Albert Pujols pitching in the eighth inning? Like, just, <laughs> typically the game's over. Everyone wants point. to see that, right? Yes. Everyone wants to see it. It, people want it's something you're basically taking away something that the fans enjoy seeing like yeah. I'd rather see a position player pitch in a blowout than some relief pitcher who's in and back and forth trip between AAA and the majors I'm I'm pretty sure also the the guy with the best ERA in the on the Rangers the past couple seasons no no minimum innings is Charlie Culberson. <laughs> or like Philippi infielder, he's had like four appearances, hasn't given up a run. So that's great. I mean, and so I guess they have to designate a player on their roster to say that they're a two-way player because otherwise Otani shouldn't be allowed to pitch in this case. Yeah. So yeah. they call that's and that's point. that's another thing that semantically doesn't make sense. Is why do we call Otani a two-way player when everybody? hits and everybody fields. There's got to be a better term for that than a two-way player. So he's a three-way player. Oh, no, but... I he doesn't that. field. Well, I guess well, he fields his position while yeah. pitching. I would say he's like... I'd call him like a dual threat, like we call in the <laughs> yeah. in the, the quarterbacks you can run and pass. Like, I would call right. him that as he pitches and he hits. But two-way player is something that technically every player who's mm-hmm. in the field... And right. bats. they're they're all batting, they're all fielding. That's true, unless you're a DH and you're a one way player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the Texas Rangers, Anthony, had a very active off season. In comes a new pitching staff. So they have yeah. they totally Brand made new. over their pitching staff. Uh, one year ago, they signed John Gray. They also signed mm-hmm. Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. They re-sign Martin Perez, who's coming off a career year. Jacob yep. DeGrom comes in. He's already experiencing a little bit of tightness. Be interesting <laughs> to see how he holds up. Nathan Eovaldi, yep. Andrew Haney, and Jake Odorizzi all come in. And was Ian Kennedy, was he another one that they signed this no, offseason? No, I don't they think so. They picked him up last year. Is he in the bullpen? I think he is. Okay. Did they have him before? I think they had him for a brief stint. He might still be with the team. Let me look it up. Okay, go ahead, Anthony. Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, the the rotation is looking 
like the best rotation that the Texas Rangers have ever had. This is <laughs> better than the rotation that got them to the World Series, which was uh, Derek Holland and Colby Lewis and Matt Harrison, those guys. This is better than that. This is a lot of veteran proven talent. That is something that the Rangers really have never had in their 50 odd some year existence. So <laughs> I'm very excited for that as a Rangers fan. Like you already said, I'm a diehard Rangers fan. So I'm probably going to be a little biased uh, when I talk about the team here. But <laughs> I, I can say, and very truthfully, I'm very excited for this pitching, what the front office has done to bring these guys in. Chris Young, he's been aggressive, and I love to see it. So very aggressive, and it's really much, it's very much the San Diego Padres model of what they're doing is let's spend some green and we're going to sell tickets. We're going to get people to come out to the park and hopefully we're going to compete for championships. That's what San Diego's model has been. They were a smaller Mm -hmm. market team. Texas isn't exactly a small market team, but they're not, they traditionally have not been as big a spender as the New Yorks and Chicago's and Boston's of the world. They haven't been, but I think they do have the pockets for it. They got Ray Davis and the ownership group, a lot of oil money there. Uh, so they're ready to spend, and they're kind of doing it a little differently than a lot of teams that were starting from 100 lost seasons that are building up with the farm system. The Rangers are just like, we're going to skip that, and we're just going to buy <laughs> some players here and kind of just get back into the running of things. And I love to see it because we have a bunch of these – nice veteran players that are going to really help us in the short term. And we have a lot of young guys too, that are coming up that are going to help us in the long term. So I like where we're sitting. So yeah, the rotation is going to be, hopefully you're looking at a rotation in a few years. That's headlined by Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker who Mm -hmm. co-starred at Vanderbilt university just a couple years ago. They were fantastic. Um, Kamar Rocker has had some injury issues, so we'll see what happens with him. But last year, the main thing when I watched Texas, and I think we talked about this last year, I think you had them at what, like 84 wins or something like that? Yeah, I was was pretty optimistic. It didn't quite work out. but there was 68, by the way. You're right. There was too many question marks in the pitching rotation. And, uh, I think they've solved a lot of those this year. I mean, you still have the injury problems could still come up, of course, with Jacob deGrom. Eovaldi uh, only pitched 103 innings last year as well. Uh, Heaney only pitched 72 innings last year. Uh, so you still have guys that have had injury histories, and you hope that they can bring in a full season here. But we do have more depth now because of those signings too. So I think – uh, we did what we can to help solve some of those problems. There's always going to be risk. Yeah, I think they had like the 23rd or 24th best ERA, team ERA mm-hmm. last year. Um, how was the we'll, – we'll talk about the offense in a second, but how did – did they have any issues scoring runs or was the offense pretty steady last year? Offense was steady. It was around middle, middle of the pack yeah. uh, last year. And I'll say one thing about the – the 68 games that the Rangers won last year, they went 68 and 94. Pretty awful. However, <laughs> however, the expected, when you took, when you look at run differential and the expected wins and losses, 
if you look at kind of that Pythagorean kind of system that they put out, <laughs> their expected win loss was 77 and 85. There was only a 36 run differential. They only gave up 36 more runs than they scored. Uh, and that, and that nine game difference between their actual win total and their expected win total was the biggest difference in all of major league baseball. And it wasn't even close. So they were better than their record indicated last year. So I think that's something that people don't realize. And what do you think was the reason that they lost all those close games pitching? The bullpen was pretty, was not the best of course. And a lot of it, I mean, people hate to just say it comes down to luck sometimes, but Honestly, in one-run games, sometimes it does just come down to luck. I'd say it was 2016 or 2017. Rangers were the best team in one-run games. And we had – it wasn't like a stellar bullpen or anything like that. That year, we were like 30 and 10 in one-run games. Last year, we were 15 and 35 in one-run games. It was historically bad. Um so, of course, it does come down to some clutch performances, clutch offense, and bullpen pitching, but sometimes it's just plain bad luck. So, that's very interesting. The pitching rotation, as we mentioned, I remember last year coming on, and my thought was the rotation is not good coming into coming into yep. last year. They made it over. This is a very, on its best day, if everyone stays healthy, best case scenario, this is a could be a great rotation. Yeah. As you mentioned, there are some injury concerns. Personally, I think the Eovaldi signing was maybe the best free agent signing any team made this offseason. This guy was, he finished fourth or fifth in American League <laughs> Cy Young Award voting not that long ago in 2021, last year. Right. Little mm-hmm. nicked up. Um, he's in his early 30s. Signed him to a two-year deal. Not a big financial commitment or big risk, but could be a very high reward if he can give you what he's given two teams in the past. And really has been a pitcher that, for most of his career, I think has been undervalued and underappreciated. No, I like the move, too. Uh, it seems like his velocity's down a little bit in the last year or two which is a little bit of a concern, but he's got some good stuff. And uh, I I like that move. Something that I'm looking at too is can Martin Perez and Andrew Heaney repeat what they did last year? Both of them kind of had, when they were pitching, especially with Heaney's case, because he only had 15, 16 starts or so, the best stats of his career, both him and Martin Perez. Can they repeat that? It's just going to be, well, time will tell. Yeah, Perez got he signed that he accepted the qualifying offer, so he got like one year, nineteen million dollars, something like that. Right, uh, and that was he, a career he got a year pay, for him. He got a pay jump from like four million to nineteen million year <laughs> to year. So, <laughs> uh, two eight nine ERA a season ago, through almost two hundred innings, so great season for him and pitching in. Globe Life Field, uh, or is it is it Globe Life Field or Globe Life Park? It's Globe Life Field, right? Globe Life Field, correct. Yes. It was, the old one is Globe Life Park. Yeah. I even get them confused sometimes. Yeah, so <laughs> I know Ballpark at Arlington, Globe Life Park, that was a big-time hitter's park. Is, would you say the same about Globe Life Field, or is it maybe a little more kind of in between? It's more. It's definitely more – I'd say even t- it even leans towards pitcher-friendly. Okay. Um it's not like the most pitcher-friendly park in the big leagues, but I would say it's in the – if you had to split 
split them in half, it would be in the half of the pitcher friendly part. Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten to like we've only seen two regular seasons with this park with fans right. in attendance in the shortened COVID year, and we had some playoff games there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there are some question marks with this staff. You mentioned Perez. What can he do? I honestly didn't even realize that Haney only threw 72 innings last year. I've got the numbers in front of me because when he pitched, it looked like he really turned a corner, but you're going to need him to stay healthy. Evaldi, we'll see. I mean, I think I really like, in terms of the dollar value they paid for that contract, even if he doesn't, they're not going to take a big hit, even though they they do need someone like that. They need guys in this rotation. The DeGrom one is one that I would be concerned about long-term. You know, it is concerning long-term, but when they made that announcement that that signing was happening, as a fan, I was excited (laughs) because the front office is going all in. Uh, They know there's risk, but they signed the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. He does have the injury risk, but I love the signing. It's definitely risky, but it's something that it shows that we're in it to win. I mean, they are in it to win it. Jacob DeGrom has not made more than 15 starts in a season since 2019. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's had Tommy John surgery last year. He's had just a number of different arm injuries. I think he had a shoulder, he had an elbow. And really, I mean, last year, 11 starts. Did not pitch well down the stretch of the season. He did he did okay in that uh, one playoff game they started. He actually did pretty well in that game. But yeah. prior to that, he didn't pitch well down the stretch of the season. It was like his worst four-game stretch since 2017, which partly goes to show how dominant this guy is when he is 100%. Mm-hmm. So I have some concerns about DeGrom's durability. The first day or two of spring training – He's being held back because of tightness. And I know people are saying like, okay, it's too early. Don't push the panic button. And I'm not panicking, but that's not encouraging to hear when we know that durability and health are a concern for this guy. Yeah, it's not It's not encouraging. You're right. Uh, but I think it's the first few days of spring training too. They're going to be extra yes. careful with Jacob deGrom. And it's a huge risk. It's like you're putting a million dollars on black at the roulette table. It could work really. It could work out really well for you. It could be really bad. I'm willing to take that risk. This is a team that won 68 games last year. It can't get worse, right? I mean, but by the way, by the way, the bullpen they did pick up Ian Kennedy to a. He signed. Okay. They signed him to a minor league contract. I think that's good value. He's been pretty good out of the bullpen. Uh, didn't have a great year last year, but uh, you know who did? Brock Burke. Brock Burke Brock was, Burke was really inc- incredible last year. I, I love his rookie season was very, very good. He was one of the lights out guys that we actually had in the bullpen last year. And also talking about the bullpen, we had like starters in the rotation last year that were starting to finally gain some footing. Taylor Hearn, Dane Dunning players like that that are now going to be going to the bullpen, giving us some extra depth. Jake Odorizzi, who may not make break, make camp out of the rotation, be a long man out of the bullpen. Uh, so we got depth there, and I think some solid names in the bullpen now. Yeah, did you mention Dane Dunning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dane Dunning, another one. He was 
Um, only a couple years ago, top 100 prospect was the centerpiece of that Lance Lynn trade. Mm-hmm. Rangers would have loved to have Lance Lynn last couple of years, but that's true. That's true. <laughs> Dave but... Dunning, he's still young. He could, like you said, maybe he's better out of the bullpen. I had an interesting conversation uh, about a month ago with JP France, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but he is a rookie who's hoping to crack the Astros big league team has okay. not made a big league appearance last year. He, he started the year as a starter in AAA, And then towards the end of the year, he moved in that bullpen and he talked about how there's no kind of hesitation about emptying the tank when you're throwing one inning, two innings, three innings versus right. try to pace yourself <laughs> for that six innings. And he has like a lot of pitches too. So he's able to use a lot of, Relief pitchers are only two pitch, maybe three pitch. He's right. got four, maybe five. So mm-hmm. anyway, we'll talk about him. But you like the bullpen? Do you think the bullpen could be better than it was a year ago? I don't think it's the one of the best bullpens in the league or anything like that. But I think it'll be better, uh, absolutely. So in terms of the lineup, stop me where I'm wrong. But this is the projected starting lineup that I have. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like I said, I could be wrong. Catcher, yep. you got three different guys you could see time there. Jonah Heim, Sam Huff, Mitch Garver. Yeah. Gar- Garver probably DHs more than he can. Yeah, I'm thinking Garver's going to do a lot of DHing this year. Nathaniel Lowe at first base, Marcus Semien at second base, at shortstop, Corey Seager. Hopefully, yep. best case scenario, Josh Young is your third baseman this year. I don't think it's best case scenario. That's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, I should say best case scenario is that he gives you like a rookie of the year type year at third right, base. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a possibility. I mean, he's a really good player who raked in the in the minors the past couple seasons is finally getting that opportunity in the big leagues for a full season. So I like that. And then outfield, I might I might get one of these wrong. Uh you've got Leoti or Leotis. Is it Leoti or Leotis? Leoti. Leody, okay, I'm mixing him up with someone else. Leody Tavares in center, Adolis Garcia in right, and Bubba Thompson in left. Yeah, that's what I have right here, too. That left field position, it could be kind of a carousel between Bubba Thompson, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, uh, those all those young guys that are just coming up. It's going to be kind of a competition, whoever kind of stakes claim to that left field spot, um, because it's Pretty much wide open. I would say Bubba Thompson has the lead right now based on his performance last year. Uh, but any three of those guys could take it. Okay. So that's the Texas lineup, which you said was average last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on this lineup as a whole in terms of – I think it was average last year, but it has the potential to be above average because Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, they both had fine years last year, but they were both – one of their worst years kind of in the last several. So I think if they can step it up a little bit, have uh, better OPSs than 772 and 733, get that to the 8, 850, 900 range from that OPS, that's a big thing that we could uh, improve on. And also Nathaniel Lowe had a breakout season oh, last yeah. year. Great. He mm-hmm. is, yeah. Absolutely. He was on a tear for the second half of the season, almost the entire second half of the season. So I hope that he can continue that uh, stretch. He was and we in got the a hunt for the batting title, too. He was only yeah, like he was for, away. Yeah, he was. For a while there, he was in the hunt for that. 
Adolis Garcia proved that 2021 wasn't a fluke. No. So we love to see that. And then uh, Jonah Heim had a great first half, a really yeah. bad second half. Uh, so we'll see if he can kind of uh, come back from that bad second half. He's great defensively, one of the best kind of pitch uh, framing catchers in the big leagues, too. He was on my fantasy team at the start of the year. Not the start yeah. of the year, but when he got maybe like in like April, mid-April, May. Mm-hmm. He did not finish the year on my team, but my team didn't yeah. do very well anyway. So. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but Jonah Heim, like you, I'm glad you mentioned that because he did look very good at the plate in the first half. And that could just be a product of, hey, uh, when you come up, the pitchers have not seen you. Then they get a little bit of data on you and they right. attack your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then you have to adjust. So maybe he can adjust this here. Either way, yeah. good defensive player, uh, good calls a good game, pitch framer, all that stuff. Very good. One thing on Corey Seager is he did, as you mentioned, he had a down year, 245, 317, 772. That was his slash line. Um, He hit some home runs. I don't have the numbers in front of me how many. But 317, as I mentioned, that was his on-base percentage. That had to be a career low, I would think. Um, Yeah. But Um, he's one of the guys who's supposed to benefit the most from the removal of the shift because he hit in the shift a lot. Right. Yeah. He did hit into the shift a lot. So that'll definitely help him right there. He hit 33 home runs last year to answer your question on that, which was the highest in his career, but that's the only kind of highest that he had in his stat <laughs> line last year. Uh, so he did well with the homers, but yeah, didn't get on base as much. So I expect the on base percentage to go up this year based based on averages. He's a really good, talented player, so. Yeah, and you get a little more comfortable in your new location and setting. Right. Heim, by the way, great name for a Texas team because of Heim Barbecue in yeah, Fort Worth. Have you ever true. been? I haven't been there, no, but I've heard good things. <laughs> it's great. I love it. It's. I mm-hmm. mean, But you guys have like a million great barbecue places in the DFW area, so. Right. And in Midland, yeah, too. Anywhere yeah. in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Just had shout out Brantley Creek Barbecue in Odessa. Fantastic. Ooh, Ooh okay. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to try it someday. All right. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So last year, they won 68 games. This year, over under total. This is courtesy of Bet MGM. They have them at 82 and a half wins. Mm-hmm. I have to, I feel like you're going over, Anthony. I'm going over. I'm of course I'm the big Rangers fan, so I, I understand I'm going over. I think that eighty based on where they were last year, I think that eighty two and a half that they have is fair. Um I'm definitely going over and I have them as the second place team in this division with eighty nine wins. Wow. Eighty nine wins, second in the division. Wow. Okay. I think. <laughs> wow. I think they're the third best team in this division. Um, okay. Personally, I really want to buy into the pitching staff. However, there are a number of question marks that I have in terms of durability, health. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of these guys are changing, coming over to a new team. How's that going to benefit them? Because Corey Seager, right. as we mentioned, tough first year with his new team. So there's that, and then. You've got, in addition to all of that, a bullpen that's a little shaky. Lineup that's, you know, okay last year. Needs to take a step in the right direction. I think they're under that 82 and a half. 
Um, I'm going to go with, let's see. So they won 68 games. I'll give them a seven win improvement to, no, I'll give them an eight win improvement. I'll say 76 wins. 76 wins. Okay. But I do think this is a team. Remember though, that they, they, they were unlucky last year. They were expected. Yeah. They're only 36 run differential below. So minus well, 36. You're, you're projecting them to win 30 or 21 more games than they did a year ago, which is a big leap. Yeah. It's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm giving them some improvement. I just, <laughs> if, if this pitch, I will say if this pitching best case scenario is if this pitching staff is what it looks like at, on paper, same thing with the lineup, then this should be a playoff team. That's, I mean, you're looking at a team that but, now you have that extra wild card spot. You need, you need that pitching staff to stay healthy. You need the lineup to take a step forward. You need the bullpen to take a step forward. Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of question marks though, which is why you're going a little bit less than the over under, which I understand. Uh, but I'm just excited to see this team and excited to watch baseball this year. So 89 wins. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited. 89 wins. Uh, I don't think it will happen, but let's move <laughs> along to our next team here. The Oakland Athletics, who finished Ooh, last Oakland. Finished. It was their first 100 loss season since 1979. Oakland's a team that typically doesn't stink that badly. Typically in their down years, they're still in the 70 wins or so. Like they're just, they're not horrible. Last year they were horrible. Now Oakland's got an interesting team. Actually, I will say they are in a whole new rebuild. The biggest change, however, Billy Bean is not running baseball operations anymore. He's okay. moving over. He's doing stuff in soccer now. He's going to have some other kind of administrative role in the front office as an advisor or something to that capacity. So, uh, anyway, no more Billy Bean. And the A's are, I mean, they, they trade away Sean Murphy. Mm -hmm. They really started gutting this team. This was a team, personally, I think was one of the teams that was hurt the most by the shortened 2020 season because – they were really building up for that. That was kind of their window. I thought that was their best team was in 2020. Um, unfortunately for them, they did not get to play any home playoff games in their one of their best seasons in a, in a few years. So anyway, Oakland is now regrouping. They're going with an interesting... They've got a, a number of interesting players on this team. So... They've got some, it's funny, because if you look at the lineup, let me ask you this. When you look at their roster, how many guys have you heard of, Anthony? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've heard of Ramon Liriano, of course. Uh, I've heard of some of these guys because I follow baseball, but they're not common names. Like, I've heard of Tony <laughs> Kemp. I've heard, I've heard of Jesus Aguilar, who's coming over from Miami. I've heard of Shay Langlier's. Uh, the top they're not, yeah, they're not common names, though. James, uh, I don't know, even know how to say his name, honestly. Cat, uh, one of the pitchers, Cat, Caprillion. Caprillion. I've heard of him before. He saw uh, Paul, Paul Blackburn. Uh, but they're not household names, that's for sure. Yeah, so they've got a lot of guys who are trying to kind of prove their keep. They've got a mix of some of these veterans, such as Aguilar, Tony Kemp, Aledemus Diaz comes in. I think he's going to play shortstop. 
for this team. Ramon Laureano returning from suspension for PEDs. Uh, He seems like someone that will get traded at some point following the trend of where this team's going. They they need him to, if they want him for trade, they, they need him to get better than what he was at the second half of last year, though. Yes. Because he, he played 300, 350 at best after his suspension, and he hit 211, 13 homers, like 663 OPS. That's not going to get you much in the trade market. He needs to improve on that. Yeah, he's going to need to bounce back. He would, at the very least, be a, te- a guy who would be a, a high-quality defensive player to add to a team. Yeah. So he'd, Oh, absolutely. He's, he's stellar in the field. Yeah, but if you want to like actually get some solid assets for him. Yes, you do need him to bounce back. Uh, Seth Brown is someone we saw a little bit more of, but yeah, uh, in terms of Caprillion and Blackburn, a couple of solid guys at the top of the rotation, not outstanding arms. They traded Cole Irvin, so that was another one that they gutted. Um, but then they got some of these young guys. They got Dalton Jeffries. They got J.P. Sears. They've got uh, Ken yep. Waldachuk, who they got in that Frankie Matas trade. And the Matas trade is is aging pretty well for the A's because Matas is not going to pitch for much of this year. And then mm-hmm. in the the ones the the players that I'm really the most interested in and seeing is uh, Shea Langoliers and Tyler Soderstrom. A couple of uh, Langoliers was a guy that they got in that Matt Olson trade. They also right. got Christian Pache in that trade as well. A couple of big prospects from the Atlanta Braves, and neither of them did had much of an impact last year. Soderstrom, he's a he was a first round pick, I believe. He's one of their best prospects right now. And then, uh, but the so and then the outfield is going to be interesting because Loriano's still there, but you've got Pache who really couldn't hit at all, and they had to send him down last year to AAA when yeah. he was someone that when he was with the Braves farm system. People were comparing him to Andrew Jones. Uh, we didn't really, we haven't seen that yet. And then they also picked up in the AJ Puck trade a week ago. They got JJ Blade, who I believe was the number four or number five overall pick in the 2019 draft out of Vanderbilt. And he might be playing left field for him, right? He should be playing left. I think you're going to see him in left, Pache in center, and Loriano in right. So that's that could potentially be a fun little outfield if some of these guys can live up to the potential there. Blade, right. I think it's I think this will be a good change of scenery there. They Miami we'll we'll talk about Miami later, but I don't really know what the plan is in Miami and they're kind of all over the place. He would have been splitting time, uh, but he'll get a chance to play every day out in Oakland. Yeah. So he's making a big time move all the way from uh going from Miami to Oakland. I don't think many people move from Florida to California in that way. I feel like it's the other way around. But right, he's yeah. going across the country. Um, uh-huh. He's someone that I think could be worth keeping an eye on. Um, he may end up being just a, I don't want to say just, but he may end up being a, a power guy who hits his 30 home runs and then maybe bats 210. But uh, that right. would still provide some value to a team. No, absolutely. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of young guys on this roster. They're going to be able to get an opportunity on this team to play almost every day. And I like how Oakland did bring in a couple veterans, Jesus Aguilar, Jace Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, both guys that are going to provide some veteran Trevor leadership. May as well. Trevor wow. May, absolutely. Um, so they got 
some veterans mixing in with the young guys that'll help them kind of bring them up a little bit. Uh, but uh, there's just not a lot that you a, a lot would have to go right for them to have a winning season. I don't see a winning season in there. Me either. No, me either. <laughs> but perhaps they don't entirely stink as badly as they did a year ago. One other thing that's different this year is instead of this is something else I, I'm not super fond of is we have this new balanced schedule, we called it, mm -hmm. which instead of playing teams uh, like 18 times in your division, now we're only playing right. them 12, 13 times. Right. And personally, I don't like that as much because I'd rather see, like I would rather see the Cubs and Cardinals play each other 18 mm -hmm. times than see the Cubs play the Baltimore Orioles or some other team that they really don't have much of a affiliation or rivalry with. So that's one thing, but it is also interesting. We call it a balanced schedule because I don't think it's balanced for the teams that are out on the West coast because they're going to be traveling more. They're going to have to go yeah, to, true. they're going to have long road trips. So Oakland and Seattle are a couple of teams that will not benefit from that. Whereas teams like Texas or teams in the Midwest, they're sort of in the middle of the country. It's not I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on them. Yeah, that's true. They're going to have the teams on the West Coast going to have to travel to the East Coast a bit more often. You're right. But it's kind of cool for the fans to get to see all the different teams uh, that are because they're going to play every single team in the big league. I think that's kind of cool, but you're right. It kind of uh, takes away from maybe division rivalries a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think it, one thing I'll say, then we got it, we'll keep it moving. But one thing I'll say is, when we grew up in the early 2000s, interleague play was a huge deal because it didn't happen very often. You get maybe four to six showcase series in May or June, and you'd always have like Cubs and White Sox to play each other at each other's homes, and that was always really yeah. exciting and fun. And the Cubs would play a couple other teams, and some of those games, some of those teams, it was such a rarity that they'd play these teams that it, they became really memorable games. Like, I remember one time the Cubs played the Yankees in 2003, and Andy Pettit got pulled in the second inning because he gave up six or seven runs. Yeah. Like, I remember those games. I went to a game in 2005 with my dad uh, to see the Cubs play Boston Red Sox for the first time since 1918 World Series. So, like, mm -hmm. there's something kind of special about the rarity of it. And yeah. now we're going to see these teams every single year. It's not going to be special the way it was. And the Cubs are only, the Cubs play the Cardinals for the last time in like late July this year. They don't play each other down the stretch of the season. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's definitely different. Yeah. So what anyway, you, sorry. I was just going to, I was just going to move on to ask yeah. you what you think about the uh, pitching rotation that the Oakland's got. They got a couple uh, new guys coming in from Japan and Korea. Yes. So Shintaro Fujinami, and then who's the Korean guy, or who's coming from Korea? Well, he's an American, but he pitched the last four years in Korea. Uh, Drew Rusinski. Yeah. He last he last pitched in the big leagues in 2018, uh, but he's had a 3.06 ERA the last four seasons in Korea, and is now coming back to the states. So maybe he's the next. 
KBO success story in yeah. Major League Baseball. I don't he know. I mean, be. I don't think it, their rotation. I want to see some of these young guys. I think he'll be interesting. Uh, the Japanese guy, interesting. JB Sears, interesting. Uh, Ken Waldachuk, another one who's a prospect. Yeah. Uh, and then I feel like Blackburn and Caprillion are probably the next ones on the chopping block in terms of these guys are, they do have trade value. They could be guys that, right. uh, in the case of Caprillion, he's a guy who can kind of solidify the back end of your rotation. And then Blackburn. I mean, he had an all-star first half last year. I believe he was named an all-star and then didn't have a great second half. So Blackburn, gotcha. there might be a little more of an upside there. Um, it's it's not a terrible pitching staff. Not I've seen worse, but yeah. I mean it's when when you're stable. when you're, you're highlighted by Blackburn and Caprillion, it's not the <laughs> best. And then you got two question marks coming over from the uh, from Asia, and then Ken Waldachuk, I think the the name that probably Oakland fans are most excited to see for a full season. Yeah. So last year, sixty wins, sixty and one hundred and two, <laughs> and. Vegas has them right around that again, 59 and a half wins. Okay. That I did, to be fair, I did not look at any of the Vegas predictions before I made my <laughs> predictions. Um, I'm right around there. Do you want to give me my, don't me to give you my total? Yeah, go for it. I just don't see a whole lot on this roster that I'm super excited about. Hopefully the young guys can kind of get a, their footing in the big leagues and, uh, some of the guys can maybe have better than expected seasons, but they had 60 wins last year. And I just think they're in a tough division that they're going to get beat up. It is going to help them with the, the balanced schedule, maybe a little bit, not playing the Astros and Mariners as much or the Rangers <laughs> for that matter that are improved. Uh, but I have met 58 wins in 104 losses. Wow. Okay. So you're right around there. Uh, I think that 59 and a half is a great number. The question is, is this team going to be worse than it was a year ago? They no longer have Cole Irvin. They no longer have Sean Murphy, but at the same time, they were just so bad last year. It's it's kind of hard for me to imagine them being quite as bad. So I'm right around where you are. I'll give them, I'll give them 62, just a tiny slight over, but this is not one that anyone should be betting on. Yeah. And I think, Speaking of betting, I want to bring up last <laughs> year, last year on this podcast, I'm pretty sure the Oakland over under was like 71 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said on this podcast, I was like, bet your entire life savings <laughs> on the under. And what do you know? It happened. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Anthony. All yeah. right. So <laughs> we'll keep going. Let's touch on the Los Angeles Angels. Which, by okay. the way, I feel like I didn't realize until recently that they're no longer the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm just always used to calling them that. Just right. Los Angeles Angels now. Uh, and they're really doing the same stuff they do every year. Their patch-up job, go out and get some <clears throat> solid players. They got Hunter Renfro adding a little, a little more pop to that lineup. Mm-hmm. Taylor Ward had a very good first half last year. Need a healthy Mike Trout this year. Um, yep. Got Otani. Anthony Rendon, he needs to have a bounce back year. Brandon Drury, uh, he had a career year last year. They gave him a nice little contract. They bring in Gio Urshela, and there was another, I think there was another uh, position player. They had another position player? Is that it? That may have been it. Uh, the, the two main ones I have here are Renfro and Drury. Uh, okay, Urshela was one another of the, one. 
And a big addition they made in the pitching staff is Tyler Anderson. I love that signing. I mean, I think Tyler Anderson, there it seems like there's a nice little group of guys who were drafted around 2011, 2012, or maybe even a little later than that in the case of Carlos Rodon, who are starting yeah. to experience kind of like a, a late peak as they enter mm-hmm. into their 30s. Kevin Gossman is oh. one. Robbie Ray to a certain degree. Um, Andrew and Heaney. A, Martin Andrew Perez. Heaney. Yep. 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 <laughs> a number of these guys who were – Tyler Anderson was a first-round pick. And last year, I mean, I made my top five. I did a bunch of, like, award stuff on Fastball, Sports Illustrated Fastball. You guys should check it out if you're not watching on there. I'm writing 40 stories a week. But I did my top five candidates for every single award in each league. And I had Tyler Anderson as one of my top five pitchers in the National League last year. He oh, had wow. Two-five-seven ERA. Um, he had a 1.00 whip. He had a 163 ERA plus, 28 starts, 178.2 innings, 15 and five. Uh, he was phenomenal last year with the yep. Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And they got him on. You're getting a a guy that these are the kind of contracts that, like I mentioned, Evaldi. They got him for three years, 39 million dollars. So they're getting a a guy who was a top five pitcher. Maybe not everyone agrees with my opinion on that, but. I think right. most people would say statistically he was a top 10 pitcher last year in the National League. So you're getting a very, very good pitcher. And if he can sustain the success that he did a year ago, well, this is a great add to a rotation that actually isn't that bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said before, on paper, the Angels don't look bad. They look pretty decent. I mean, the rotation, like you said, you got Otani, who's – one of the best hitters and one of the best pitchers in big league baseball. You got Tyler Anderson. Uh, who else you got? You got Patrick Sandoval, who had an ERA less than three last year uh, and somehow only went six to nine. Um, <laughs> and he was good the year before that, too. He's sustaining his success. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Jose Suarez had a decent season ERA under four last year. And Reed Detmers, there's a young guy. I didn't realize he was only 23 years old. He had an ERA of three seven. Uh, so you got some guys here that can pitch. Um, I'll be interested to see if Ty- Detmers threw a no hitter last year, didn't he? Did he? Or he came close he, to it? He may have. I'm not positive. Well, he went to Louisville, and I don't know if you remember this, but in 2020 he was a first round pick out of Louisville, <laughs> and they played our alma mater, Valparaiso University. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And. In the draft, like all of his highlights were him striking out Valpo. <laughs> That's funny. He threw a no hitter on May 10th last year. Okay, wow. So I mean, he's obviously got some great stuff if he's throwing no hitters. Yeah. So they got some good, solid guys there. Um, and it's interesting too because in the past we've talked about looking at the Angels lineup and said it's a top heavy lineup that has potential to be really good. We've had question marks about their pitching staff, and now their pitching staff looks like the strength of this team. Mm-hmm. And and they still have that top-heavy lineup. I mean, they still have it's the same Mike, Trout, Mike Trout, Otani. It's hard to even count Rendon as a, a, a top-heavy part of the lineup in, right now because ever since he got signed to the Angels from Washington, he's been not very good. <laughs> Um, 
And the, the signings of Renfro and Drury are good. Both of them hit almost 30 home runs last year. So you're adding some pop to the lineup with those free agent signings. But behind uh, behind Rendon, the infield is not that good. Jared Walsh had a horrible season. Luis Renfijo, I don't know how to say his name, sorry. That's good uh, enough. <laughs> at shortstop, did not have a very good season. He had a decent season, but still uh, not great. Uh, so, but you'd have some star power, of course. Mike Trout, Shohei, Taylor Ward had a great season last year. We'll see if he can continue it. Uh, you have some good offensive guys, but also a few guys that are just a little bit lackluster. Yeah, I still, and you know, the other thing I think is interesting is they brought back, so last year they fired Joe Madden, and mm -hmm. when Pujols essentially got exiled out of L.A. a year before that, in 2021, it, he had a meeting with the front office, Bob Nightingale reported this, friend of the show, he's been on here a few times, Mm -hmm. And Bob's, Bob reported that Pujols told the front office, this team will not win anything with Joe Madden as its manager. Joe Madden's it's, out. Yeah, yeah, Joe Madden's out. I, <laughs> I, never, I never thought that hire was ever going to work because I just it's a it's been a veteran-laden team, and mm -hmm. I just you've never seen Madden really manage a club like that. He's had more success with young players, and <clears throat> I think it's hard to get veterans to buy into his – style but right. Phil Nevin comes in as an interim guy and they retained Phil Nevin but only on a one-year contract so that is something that personally I can't imagine that I would do if I mean that's like the that's like the money ball where it's like you know one-year contract means there's no faith there so right. I'm going to manage this team the best I can so that I can explain myself in job interviews next fall uh -huh. True. I don't know why, if you if you want to make Nevin your manager, why are you only giving him a one-year contract? So that's something to me that kind of says, you know what, if this team isn't great and we suffer the same fate as we did the last seven years or so, because we haven't had a winning season since 2015, 2014. Mm-hmm. We can throw the manager out there to the bus and get another manager. <laughs> right. No, it makes sense. But yeah, why why not give him a one more than a one year contract? I don't know either. Uh, there's not much faith there. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing is they do have to with Otani. They have to have a six man rotation. Um, so as much as I like Otani, Anderson, Sandoval, I think Detmers could be really good. He was good last year. Um, and Suarez, as you mentioned, he was good last year too, but some of these pitchers league wide are going to, I mean, pitchers are the, the people who benefit the least from the shift being banned. So mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see how some of these guys who are a little more pitch to contact do, right. I'm not saying that that's the case with all, all these guys or, or what have you, but, um, even, even though I like, I really like parts of their rotation. There's still concerns I have with this rotation. Uh, Lineup-wise, again, on paper, looks like it should be really good. The Angels do the same thing every year. The Angels <laughs> do the same thing. It's like, it's like you've got this house that's clearly <laughs> crumbling and falling down, 
they put yeah. paint jobs over it. Maybe they yeah. do a little bit of DIY projects. At some point, you need to just take a wrecking ball to that house and build a new one. <laughs> and we're talking about a team, too, that has, according to Vegas right now, two of the top three MVP candidates in the American League in Trout and Otani. That, you're talking about a legit star power here. And they can't get, like you said, they haven't been above 500 since 2015. It doesn't make sense. No, it does not make sense. Uh, last season, they won 73 games. This year, Vegas has them at 80 and a half. And the lo- the biggest storyline, too, is this is Otani's walk year. This is his, he he's <laughs> going to get yep. a monster contract if he hits the open market. 500 and- million. That's where it's going to start. We're going to talk about Otani. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, not only is it five hundred million, but is this something that could happen that you see in private business all the time, where he gets a stake in ownership in the team? Is that oh, could be, wow. you know, that that's something that with this player, he is such a one of a kind, unique, great <laughs> player that we've never seen before. So, um, anyway, personally, I think. The Angels should be selling. They should be trading Otani right now. That's what I would do because I don't and get just a huge, a huge prospect pull for him. The longer you wait, yeah. the more that trade value is going to diminish. So they're yep. gonna. The biggest thing with this team, and we'll see, because they haven't really gone in the direction of selling yet. They haven't done that, uh, and maybe it's kind of like the San Diego philosophy in terms of not. I don't know. I want to compare him too much to San Diego, but the idea of we're going to spend, we're going to get people to come out to the game. We're going to make money. Maybe that's what this is about. You lose Otani, you lose a huge draw in terms of fans, but I don't know. I just think when you have that trout contract and now you're going to look at a contract that's even larger than that. And they've had a lot of big contracts over the years. And this kind of model, this blueprint hasn't really worked for them. Yeah, if they had sold Otani at the trade deadline last year, oh my goodness, that's like imagine the package they could have got for him. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the first two months of the season here because the longer you wait on trading Otani, then the more that his value is going to diminish. So if perhaps what could be the best thing for them in the grand scheme of things, even though. The fans might not like to hear it, and front office ownership might have a different view. But I think if they were to come out and they were to start like two and ten and just really be bad at the start of the year, then they could trade him in May or June. It, 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 they could yeah. get rid of him a little earlier to get a larger package for him. But as it stands right now, unless they're going to blow him away with some offer that he isn't going to receive on the open market. I think this guy's going to hit the open market. Like the Dodgers are going to be courting him. The Giants, the Mets, <laughs> Cubs could be in there. A number no, of yeah. teams. That's true. You make solid points. I, uh, I don't know if they're going to do that, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do it either. I think they're going to stand pat, and I think they're going to have yeah. another w- season they finish below their over under 80 and a half. Um, I kind of feel like I'm going to give Texas a couple more wins. I'm going to put Texas up to 79. 
Okay. Because um, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about this. They should, so I'm going to put Texas at 79, and then I'm going to put the Angels at 75. Okay. And uh, I had the Angels. If I just look at their team on paper, I'm like, hmm, 85-win team. But because of they're the Angels, I'm going 80 and 82. <laughs> and that's that's what I wrote down here, 80 Just and 82. Under. Yeah, and it's it's a sad meme that we see all the time where it's like Shohei Otani hit two home runs. and Yeah, and the Angels lose 7 to 5. Yeah, yeah like, something like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, but- before yes. we move on real quick, something I forgot to mention, you mentioned Joe Madden, so I was like, oh, I forgot to mention Bruce Bochy, the new yes. Rangers manager. So that's, that's another reason why I think 89 wins, is he brings that championship caliber mentality. I love that uh, addition of Bruce Bochy to the Rangers. I do love that addition, too. He's going to get a lot of money, and I think, you know, I think the thing for me with Texas is I just want to see it. So if I see... I'm like ready to buy in. So if they have a good first half, I'm going to be like, yeah, Texas is legit. Yeah. They're, they're good. <laughs> um, or if they just have a season, like they let's say won 68 last year. And let's say they win like 83, 84. That's, that's a nice, you know, 15, 16 win improvement going into yeah. next year. I'm ready to, you know, say, Hey, Texas is, Texas is a team that's competing. I just want to see it before I... No, I hear, I hear you. 100%. I hear you. Uh, okay. Uh, anything uh, else on the Angels to watch for, I guess? Or should we move on? I think we should yeah. move on to okay. what? The Houston, Houston Astros. Houston Astros. The World Series champion of 2022. The Houston Astros. So, World Series champs, they may have gotten better. They lost to Cy Young. <laughs> They lost the Cy Young, Justin Verlander Ooh. out, but it's yep. next man up mentality. Uh, Framber Valdez, Lance McCullers Jr., Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti. That's potentially your opening rotation, but at some point, yep. someone's going to miss a start, and Hunter Brown is going to get his crack at the rotation. I think Hunter Brown mm-hmm. could end up being the best pitcher in this whole group. I mean, he was phenomenal oh. last year. Wow, he made. Yeah, he made two starts. Uh, he he got called up in September. He had a .89 ERA, uh, mm-hmm. 1.08 whip, and a 443 ERA plus in 21 innings. So I think Hunter Brown could be someone to keep an eye on. Uh, he might not start the season in the rotation. He might, but Lance McCullers is due for a you know IL stint, and uh, Hunter Hunter Brown gets in there, but. It's a, it's yeah. a, even without Verlander, this is still. I mean, this is a great rotation, and then they added. Oh. Sorry, what was that? Yeah, I was just say yeah. The rotation's fantastic. Of course, you lost Verlander, but McCullers. You hope he can stay healthy, but in the eight starts he had last year, a two point two seven ERA. Like you're adding a guy right there who's a really good pitcher. Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, frontlining that rotation too. It's really good. Uh, there's not much, uh, any, not many bad things you can say about that rotation. No, exactly. And I think something else we should give credit to is Houston really values having a great defensive catcher who calls a good game, and that's Martin Maldonado. Mm-hmm. And I think right. something we're going to see a little more of in the in the next few years is 
catcher ERA, I think, is going to become more of a value metric and statistic where you're going to say, well, this is what these pitchers do when they have this catcher versus this other catcher. And I think that was part of why the Cubs let Wilson Contreras walk. And I actually think that's interesting that St. Louis is going from Yadier Molina to Wilson Contreras. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a story for our NLC, NL Central preview. But Martin Maldonado working with his pitching staff, I think that is a key to the part of the success that they've had. Right. Mm. Now, in terms of their lineup, and I think also McCullers, he's a guy that I'm fine just pacing him and having him for the right for the postseason. I don't need him to do too much the regular season. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Uh this team won a hundred, what was it, hundred and six last year? Yeah, one oh six and fifty six. Oh my gosh. That's so many. <laughs> hundred and six wins, and then their lineup now. They bring back Michael Brantley, who was injured down the stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Hensley was a rookie who came up at the end of the year. He did very well in that DH spot, so he's another guy that will see a little bit of time. And yep. then um, Jose Abreu, the 2020 yeah. American League MVP, rich get richer. They get him. I know year it's contract. a it's a lineup that was so good last year, and you add Jose Abreu. That's just insane. Um, I mean. Altuve, Bregman, and the MVP candidate, Jordan Alvarez. This is a lineup with almost no breaks until the very end of it. I mean, Chaz McCormick, Martin Maldonado, not the best offensively, but we're picking hairs here. We're, we're pulling hairs because the rest of the lineup is legit. Jeremy Pena had a kind of a, a maybe a slow start last year, but he really picked it up and had an impressive postseason. For the rookie shortstop, um, you got a really good lineup. You add Jose Abreu, and they're looking that the team is stacked. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, also Jeremy Pena. He showed up spring training. You see the picture of him? He's jacked. He got huge oh yeah <laughs> in the off season. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you mentioned Chaz McCormick and Pena and Maldonado. Um, and Pena had a fine rookie season, but I mean, like the value in all three of those guys is those might be your three most important defensive positions and they have (laughs) elite, like best of the best defensive players at all three of those positions. And it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't entirely matter, but if they don't, if none of, if none of those three guys hit a whole lot, it's not going to hurt the team because, the other six guys in this lineup are great. <laughs> yeah, and I think Payne is going to hit. Like, yeah, I think Payne is going to hit. And at catcher, I mean, Maldonado, you mentioned, great defensively, calls a great game. That 186 average, though, is pretty eye-popping. You don't really want to see that in your lineup. So I do think Corey Lee, their prospect catcher, could get some time there, too, yeah. to see what he can do. Yeah, Corey Lee, I'm glad you pulled that. That's a good uh, reference. Bullpen really stays the same for the most part. They've got the only real change in terms of pitching is that that Verl's out. So I see Hunter Brown potentially moving into that rotation. And then friend of the program, JP France, sliding into the Hunter Brown role from last year. He's kind of that next Mm -hmm. guy that last year he pitched really well down the stretch uh, in AAA Sugar Land and had... You know, part of it is when you're on a 
when you're on a team that's as deep and as loaded as the Astros, it's tough to get that call up from from uh, Sugarland. But um, I think that could that could open up a spot for him. He is on the active roster right now. He's going to need to make the team and have a good spring. Right. He's out of spring training hey. right now, but um, I'm pulling did, for him. Yeah, and he did very well uh, down the stretch last year. So he's a guy. But then everyone else is. Coming back, Ryan Presley, Ryan Stanek, Hector Neris, yep. uh, Phil Matone, Rafael Montero, and Brian Abreu. It's a great bullpen. And yep. JP could be um, potentially a guy who cracks that bullpen and maybe gives him a little length. Yeah. It, the bullpen's good. The rotation's good. The lineup is really good. Uh, <laughs> there's It's going to be a really good World Series contending team again. In terms of World Series contenders, let me let me hear your short list of teams in the American League. Don't yeah. even ask me. I haven't done enough research right, on the rest of the league. I'll do. I'll tackle that as we go along. So, okay, Houston is at ninety six and a half. It's the highest total tied with the Dodgers of all teams. Mm-hmm. So that would be if they were to win. If they went over, that would mean that they'd lose nine. <laughs> more games than they did a year ago and it's right if they won if they only won 97 right (laughs) that seems pretty safe to me yeah i think they're yeah you disagree you're below no no i I don't i don't disagree i don't disagree okay uh my the number i had i mean they won 106 last year i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna predict they're gonna win 106 because that's just insane uh but i think the number I wrote down here is 162. I'm gonna is, go their, is, is their record? I think that's a good number. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go right at man. That's actually really good. Uh, <laughs> I think they're above it. I wouldn't be like sweating that they hit 97, but I think they're yeah. gonna be somewhere between like 97 and 102. That that's kind of where they're in. I think they're no, really yeah. the only question is. Can Seattle surpass them this year? And I actually think they can. So, oh, but it's oh. it's hard for me to see Seattle getting that many wins. So I am going to say I'll say Houston one hundred and one division champ. Yep. That's where that's I have, where I got. I it. have them as the division champ as well. Of course, one hundred wins. Okay, I'm writing that down. And then our last division. So we're gonna do something here. Uh, we're going to give our Mariners take. Uh, and then we'll uh, wrap things up, or Anthony's going to bounce after that. And then uh, Seattle Mariners super fan Mario Lanza, <coughs> who we have on as our like official Seattle sports guy on the Jack Vita show. Sorry, Nathan. I feel bad Nathan wanted to <laughs> take that title, but Mario got there first. So uh, Mario, uh, of course, um, he runs the Funny 115. He's got some uh, – podcast he does the survivor historians podcast he does the staff picks movie podcast which i actually went on recently we talked about Moneyball, so people should check that out but we'll play his it's like 15 minutes long he's done this three years in a row now he's given his little voice recording preview of the seattle mariners so i'm gonna play that after anthony and i get finished um but before that we'll we'll dive in and we'll sink our teeth into the seattle Mariners. so seattle last year what I think is really interesting is they went from so let's let's see last year they won ninety games yep. their first 
postseason appearance in 21 years. Very exciting time for the city of Seattle. They presented the best challenge to the Houston Astros in the postseason than any other team did. They led in game one and game two of the ALDS. And then in game three, they took them to 18 innings. And really, they were very close. Had it not been for a couple of Jordan Alvarez home runs, a Jeremy Payton yeah. home run, like they could have won that series. So the they still got swept. They still got swept. They still got swept, but <laughs> it didn't look like a sweep. That was a closer series yeah. than than the sweep would indicate. They've got. Um, they didn't do too much to shake up their team. They're kind of riding with what they had last year. They added Colton Wong. They. They dealt yep. Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker just didn't really work out there. Teoscar Hernandez comes in, so he kind of replaces that Winker spot. You'll see him in right field. And then A.J. Pollock got brought in. He could split some time with Jared Kelnick yep. and left. And then uh, one pickup that I really like, and we'll see if he ends up where he kind of fits on this team, is Tommy LaStella. Okay, yeah. LaStella was DFA'd by the Giants about a month ago, and Angel or the the Mariners picked him up for nothing. And from 2016 through 2020, this is a guy who had like a 360 OBP over that five year stretch. So good on base guy doesn't strike out a lot, which I also like. Um, down year last year with San Francisco, he's been battling some injuries, but you get him, and uh, I I think that I think that could be a nice little pickup. Yeah, and you mentioned the additions to the lineup. I really like what they did, bringing in some of those veterans, because last year, in the last couple of years, it's been a really young player kind of laden team. And now you bring in some veterans, a good mix of young players and older players with Teoscar, Colton Wong, A.J. Pollock. And um, it's a good lineup through and through. And, of course, highlighted by the 22-year-old MVP candidate, Julio Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. And he's on the cover of Tops uh, baseball cards this year. The new box. They're doing a thing kind of like it's kind of like cover athlete thing. He's going to be on the cover for that. He just took off last year, man. His his yeah. rookie year, Mario pointed this out. He was statistically better as a rookie than Ken Griffey Jr. was in almost every category when Ken I believe Griffey it. Jr. was a rookie. He, he, he is a really special player. And likely just going to see an improvement this year. He had he hit 284 last year, 28 homers, 25 stolen bases. I think all those numbers go up this year. Uh, and he's like I said, I think an MVP candidate. And he got off to a real slow start too. So imagine what those numbers right. would have looked like had he, you know, come out right away. But I mean, is this a guy? Right. Are we looking at him as potential MVP this year? No, I think so uh, because. Just the talent is there. He's he did that. So he was 21 last year, and he put up those numbers. So he's just going to get even better than that. I think. Um, I think a big X factor this year for the Mariners is can Jared Kelnick get like can he live up to the hype that he once had a couple of years ago? Because he struggled so far in his time in the big leagues, struggled quite a bit. Uh, if he can pick it up to where. He expects to be into where the rest of the organization knows that he can be. That'll be a huge addition if he can uh, pick up to where he thinks he can be. 
Yeah, he talked a big game before he got out there. I mean, he had like released his own merch. He has a, he has yeah. a website. Like before yeah. he even played a game, or maybe it was right on his launch. He like launched that stuff on his debut day, and he really got humbled quickly. Uh, but right. he last year, his second year in the league, one forty one. He had yeah. 141 with a 221 OVP and a 534 OPS. So, and he's still so young. I mean, he raked in the minors when he was 20, 21 years old. He's still only 23 years old right now. So there's still a lot of time for him to improve. And I think it's something mentally. I mean, he's just got to get out of that funk, see how he does in spring training this year. Uh, I think if he has a good start to this year, that'll go a long way for his progression. Yeah, it definitely would. So we'll see what happens with him. He's kind of a little bit of wild card. If he, I don't know, I could see them, if he were to really not show much progress or I could see them in the hoping to kind of win. Obviously, they're trying to win this division. And right. if they're in the hunt, I could see if Kelnick is not performing, I could see them making some kind of trade maybe to add left fielder. They also have Taylor yeah. Trammell, who kind of seems like someone else that they <clears> might <throat> trade at some point. They did trade the 2020 American League Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, over the offseason. So he returns right. to Arizona, which is the team that drafted him. So mm -hmm. uh, too bad it didn't really work out with Kyle Lewis because after his rookie year, he looked like he'd be a star. No, yeah. I mean, still could be. Still could be. Not in Seattle. He still could be. Right. Not Seattle. The pitching rotation um, is very, very good. Uh, Castillo, that was a they paid a lot to get him, and he lived up to what they were hoping for. Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, both a couple of young pitchers who c hopefully continue to progress for you this year, and then Robbie Ray, he had a really good year, and I feel like people are kind of just remembering his bad moments at the end of the season in the playoffs uh, and Jordan Alvarez giving him, giving up that big home run to him, but yeah. he still had a two seven one ERA last year in 32 uh, starts. I, I don't know if your number's right there. Was it, it? What is it? What was it? Three, I have three seventy one. Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. I wrote down the wrong thing. Three seven one. Because, that's, because that's, I don't, I, it's still solid, but he didn't. I don't think he lived up to uh, what they're expecting because he had some really good moments. Uh, but 371 ERA, he still struck out 212 guys. Still a really good pitcher. He won the but, Cy Young a couple years ago. Yeah, too. That, that, that's the right after he won that Cy Young is when Seattle signed him. Yeah, and his ERA did rise almost a whole point from that year to last year. Okay, so I had the wrong number there. Yeah, but. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, if he's your four, you can do worse. He's probably. Oh yeah. Uh, he's still. He's he's great. But it's a good got, rotation. Uh, yeah. Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen at the end of the rotation, and Flexen is someone right. that they've talked about trading. But I guess you kind of hold on to him now in case someone gets hurt. Um, no, it's solid. I don't think it's as good as the Astros rotation. No. And I think, of course, I'm biased. I think it's right on par with the Rangers rotation at this point. Okay, I think they're better. I think they're a lot better than the Rangers. And I think the Rangers, there are more question marks. I think this team, I mean, Kirby and Gilbert, last year was Kirby's first year, I believe. Two years ago was Gilbert's first year. So you got these guys who are last year, I don't know, I thought they looked like stars. I mean, I think mm -hmm. they, they both look great. And then Castillo is the best pitcher of that whole 
He could be the best pitcher in the division. So you're talking I, I, about I, division I, with Jacob Degrom. <laughs> well, Degrom gives you 50, if Degrom gives me thirty starts, then yeah, I put Degrom. There, but he hasn't done that in four years. So you're right. A, no, you're right. It's it's a it's a fair argument. I, I get it. Um, and then yeah, so I, I don't know. I think their rotation is significantly more solid. Um, and then Texas, but there is obviously potential there for Texas rotation to be very, very, very good as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So do you have any thoughts on this team before we get to the over under? I think it's super solid. I think the rotate, like you said, the rotation, very good. Uh, the ro- I think the lineup is good. I don't think it's great. Yeah. I think it's good. Not great. Houston's um, better. Yeah. I mean, you still got JP Crawford in there. You don't know what you're going to get from Cal and Nick. A.J. Pollock uh, didn't have a great season last year. Um, Ty France did, really did well last year, too. Yeah, great um, first half. Yeah, great first half. So I think it's definitely solid. But if you also look at everyone's OPS last year, two guys, only two, were above 800. That's Julio Rodriguez and one of the new guys, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, so maybe they can build on that and get a few more guys above that 800 mark. Uh, but I think it's solid. And do you want to go into the over under? Well, I'll, I'll add to that. I think the, the best case scenario, the way that this team could really try to surpass Houston is you need Kelnick to live up to yeah what he's supposed to be. Cause that, <laughs> I think that changes the outlook of this team dramatically. You're looking at a guy who, if he is, a star. Okay, now you got Kelnick, you got Rodriguez, and then, um, yeah. Honestly, I don't really see as many stars on this team. Where I see more like guys who are like a seven out of ten or an eight out of yeah. ten. No, I, I kind of agree with you. R- Rodriguez, of course, is a star. Yeah. Luis Castillo, he's a star. Yeah, but I mean, in the of... lineup, in the lineup, I no, think, yeah. I think the top three pitchers are all stars, or at least no, I got... on that path. And then I hear so, you. So Kelnick, and then if you could get if Tommy Lastella can can bounce back to what he was before he signed that contract in San Francisco, I mean he's not a star, but that would be a really nice add mm-hmm. to their lineup. Um, no. But I think that's the difference is like you look at Seattle with J.P. Crawford, who is a very very great defensive shortstop, not as big of a hitter, not as big of a bat. But if he's on Houston, he doesn't really need to be that big bat. And with Seattle, I don't see the bats really being as strong as what Houston has Mm -hmm. in terms of Abreu, Bregman, Altuve, Brantley, uh, Alvarez, Kyle Tucker. Like that's that is a deep, deep lineup. Whereas with Seattle, I just think you're looking at you have a star, and then you have a lot of like really good players around him, and then a couple of guys like. Like Suarez, if you could get Suarez, if Suarez could kind of come back to to what he was as an All Star, um, that would also you know like I feel like they need a few of the, they really need a few of these guys. Teoscar Hernandez, I think he was named an All Star once. He needs to have a better OBP than three sixteen this year. Right. No. So, absolutely. That's I think where kind of the where Seattle is the best case scenario. Seattle. Can if they could get if Ty France could sort of I mean he didn't have as strong of a second half if he could have as strong of a first half as he did you know maybe you're talking maybe he's a star um, yeah 
that's what that's what they need. They need a, f- a few of these guys to take a step in the next direction. Um, and then you're looking at a team that could challenge Houston as it is right now. I mean, their over under is nine. Oh, sorry, it's eighty eight and a half. I I would go over that. I don't think that that's wow. a hard number for them to hit. And like I said, I didn't look at those over unders. I just made my predictions. I've been right on for most of these. I think. <laughs> Um, I have them and I think it says more to do with, I think the Rangers are going to get a lot more wins this year. I think the angels are going to get more wins than they did last year. Uh, so last year, the Seattle won 90, uh, they're over under, like you said, 88 and a half. I have them at 88 and 74, 88. Wow. I should have been asking before I did the over unders, I should have asked your number before I did that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Before I told you, I can I can show you the the. I can show you my pieces of paper. It's it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's. I feel pretty safe about going over on that because I do think, you know, and we'll touch on this more in terms of teams that have a the potential to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, they. Let's just say they actually did complete those games against Houston, because they could have. Mm-hmm. No, yeah that changes things very dramatically in the American league. And I don't think I I wasn't convinced that New York Yankees were going to beat them. So maybe Seattle's in the world series. Maybe it's a team that's bet better set up to potentially go on a run in the postseason with their pitching staff than it is to, you know, win 105 games. Cause Mm -hmm. I don't see them. I, I mentioned, I thought there, I do think this, they, they have the, they can win the division, but I'm going to go, even though I put Houston at 101, I don't see them getting that close to Houston. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to say they get 90, let's see, how many last year? 90, 90. total. Yeah. Uh, I say they make a three-game improvement. I'm going to get them okay. at 93. Okay. Oh, that's, that's, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fair estimate. Yeah, I mean, you just you like Texas more, obviously. Yeah, and I, I, I obviously, and I, I, that's why I put Seattle down a little bit, is because Texas is going to get eat up a few more of those wins, in my opinion, with the additions that they've made. Um, but we'll see what happens. That's why they play the games, right? It's not just it's not just chalkboard. It's not just paper. They they play 162, and we see what happens. Do you think that the competitive balance schedule? So let's say now, so now they're going to play teams in the National League. Everybody's going to play the same amount of games against the National League. Now, technically, teams are still going to play the same amount of games. Like so, so I mean, the White Sox are still going to play 12, 13 games against the Royals. Like that's not going to change. So there still <laughs> will be some of that with some of these divisions. It's not entirely balanced in that regard. Do you think that lends itself to more wins, less wins, or things stay the same in the, for these teams in the American League West? Oh, I think I think overall you're not going to see a huge difference. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I don't think there's going to be a big difference. No, I do think it's a, in my opinion, one of the better divisions uh, because besides for Oakland, I think everyone's solid. I I, I think. You got Houston, a World Series contender. I think the Rangers and Seattle 
are wild card teams uh, based on the record that I have for them, 88 to 89 wins. And I think the Angels, I mean, they have two MVP candidates on that team. So they could do better than my 80-win prediction, too, if things go right. So all four I think of those it's a really good interesting. Yeah, yeah. So all four are interesting. Okay, do you have any other uh, thoughts on this division, Major League Baseball thoughts as we go into the season? I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited. It's I haven't been this excited for baseball in a minute, especially my Rangers. Uh, it's going to be really fun. Feels like it's been a long offseason, I won't lie. Yeah, that's true. I think some years I'm like, wow, it's already around the corner. But, I mean, I have to write 40 stories a week in the off season. And when the free agency dies down, it really dries up. There's not a lot to write about in January. No, Even I now, I mean, it's starting, it's getting, it's picking up a little bit, but my goodness, I'm ready for, let's get this spring <laughs> training games going. And we're only a yeah. few days out. So yeah, uh, excited. That'll, that'll, that'll be good. Well, Anthony, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm sure we'll check in uh, hopefully at least a couple times this season. I'll be doing a lot of baseball podcasts this year. So hopefully you're up for the ride with me and talking to ball. And uh, I'd love for you to tell people how they can watch you on the news or follow you along on social media. Hey, yeah. Follow me on social media. Just look up Anthony Franz on Facebook, Twitter, at Anthony Franz WX. Um, that's where I'm most active, Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, if you're in West Texas, hey, log in or, or, or tune in, NewsWest9. Uh, you can you can tune in anywhere on online, NewsWest9.com. I'll be there. Awesome. Well, check them out, and I'm sure we'll be having them back soon. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Jack. Okay, so that's my conversation with Anthony. Now we're going to pivot, and I'm going to play an audio clip that Mario Lanza submitted to discuss his Seattle Mariners. Now, he's a longtime Seattle Mariners fan. As I mentioned, he puts out a lot of content. He does a great job. You can follow him on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. He mainly tweets about the Mariners. So if we got Seattle fans, check him out. He's been a longtime Mariners fan, and he does a great job. As I mentioned, he hosts a uh, movie podcast that I was just on where we talked about Moneyball. His podcast is called Staff Picks. And he does a lot of content center around the show survivor uh where he counts down the funniest moments in survivor history on funny115.com and he's got his other podcast the survivor historians so uh i'm gonna pivot over and play this clip this is mario lanza's outlook and preview for the seattle mariners this is the third time that we've done this Hello there, all you friends of the Trident. This is Mario Lanza, your favorite Mariners commentator, back on the Jack Vita show to give my 2023 uh, prognosis of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, as you're all aware, Jack basically keeps me locked up in a cage in his basement, much like the Gimp and Pulp Fiction for uh, when he can release me to do my Mariners thing every year. So I, I, I've been released. He has unleashed me onto the air. So... The 2023 Mariners, I have very high hopes for. Uh, and I should point out, the last two, I've done these two years in a row. Two years ago, I said, watch out for Logan Gilbert. Gilbert's my guy. He turned out to be the guy. Last year, I was like, hey, this year's going to be the Julio show. It indeed was the Julio show. So I am two for two so far. So I have a pretty good winning streak here. And I'm hoping my predictions this year will uh, turn out to be accurate as well. 
Um, and here's my big prediction. This year, the guy to watch is George Kirby, our pitcher, who is kind of buried right now among a couple other uh, notable names and prospects. But in my mind, George Kirby is going to make a huge leap this year. And this is something I've talked to uh, Jack about before, that George Kirby was this uh, finesse pitcher, came up through the minors, like unbelievable control. And like he, the most, the best pinpoint control they'd seen in, in like the minors in years, he was setting records. And then last year, right before the season, his velocity suddenly increased from like 92 to 99 out of nowhere. So combine that pinpoint control with the velocity, like you saw him last year. I don't know how closely you guys follow the Mariners, but like he was unbelievable in the second half and he kind of got forgotten behind Julio and behind, uh, you know, the bigger pitchers like Castillo and, and uh, Robbie Ray. But like he was ridiculous in the second half and Kirby, he had that one really good, uh, I guess a couple times, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but in the playoffs, like he was showing how good he is. So I personally think George Kirby is going to be our ace this year, which I know is saying a lot considering Luis Castillo and Ray and uh, who else we got on there? Yeah, still Logan Gilbert. But that's my name for this year, uh, George Kirby. So anyway, let me just take a little uh, glance through the Mariners roster here. I'm just going through the lineup and I'll give you my thoughts here. Obviously, last year was the big Julio year. Uh, this year, he's expected to be even bigger because I think a lot of people, I don't know if you how close you were paying attention to Seattle last year. Julio couldn't hit the broadside of a bar in the first month of the season. He was just, he was terrible. He was like Jared Kelnick. I hate to pull out the JK reference already, but yeah, he was Kelnick levels of bad the first half of the first month of the year last year. And he was getting screwed by umps all over the place. So if you look at his overall numbers, that's including that brutal first month. So take away that first month of last year. And I think that's the kind of thing you're going to see from Julio this year. Obviously, Anyone knows this, you don't need a Mariners expert to give you this one. But yeah, the, the team will rise and fall, succeed or lose based on Julio Rodriguez. And of course, they signed him to a big, uh, what, 10-year deal in the offseason? I forget. It was big. But yeah, he is now the face of the team. Uh, he is going to be big. It's just a matter of how big and what kind of supporting cast you can put around him. Uh, let's see. The big bat behind him, Eugenio Suarez, who had a good year last year. I've seen some Mariner blogs point out, I don't know this for a fact, that he was actually the last month of the season, he was really improving his exit velocities and his launch angle. So like Suarez could be a prime for an even bigger year this year, which is kind of funny because when we got him, he was kind of considered a, a fading star. But he is another one that I suspect may have a sneaky big year this year and you're not really uh, expecting it. So uh, Julio, you got Eugenio, obviously we signed Teoscar Hernandez, another big home run hitter. The Mariners are going to have a lot of power this year. And you can throw in Ty France in there as well. He really kind of fell off in the second half last year. He was a big power hitter for the first half, made the all-star team. At one point, they were saying he was one of the elite first basemen in baseball. Then he kind of faded the second half. But like, if he's back to where he was before, that is quite a foursome of a, a, a lineup there. And that's not even talking about Cal Raleigh, our catcher behind them. And then uh, uh, what do we got? Colton Wong is new. Uh, AJ Pollock is new. So I'm expecting big things from the Mariners offense this year. And that was kind of our question mark last year that they, uh, they, they struggled. They, they seem to struggle in May and June every year, the last two years. Anyway, they start pretty well and they struggle and all the fans write them off. And then they have games surging back and have a great second half. And the fans are like, Oh, we love them again. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you not remember this happened last year too? So anyway, I, I'm hoping we can avoid that little swoon at the start of the season this year. And if we do, like the Mariners, 
in my personal opinion, last year they were the second best team in the American League. Like it was, and we came close to beating Houston. We're not quite to Houston's level yet. But like the three games playoff against Houston, we were in every game and we could have won all three of those games. Like none of those, even though it ended up being a sweep, we were right with them. So I'm hoping this is the year we can pass Houston. Now, of course, I'm a Mariners diehard. I will always say this, but I personally think, (laughs) oh, we could easily make the World Series this year. Why not? I say that every year, but I think this is legitimately the best Mariners team I have ever seen in my lifetime, which is odd saying the 2001 team, but you go back and look at the 2001 team, they won 116 games, but like none of their, they don't really have a whole lot of big name superstars on that team. It was kind of a every man yeoman's lineup of everyone contributing. Brett Boone kind of pulled a year out of his ass. He was never going to have again. Ichiro was kind of a first thing no one had ever heard of him before. That was his first year. So this year, the Mariners have a lot of potential and a lot of it will live and die based on the lineup. The pitching, I think, is going to be fine. The Mariners pitching is, is, I think, pretty solid, but a lot will depend on the the protection they can get around Julio, it's going to be up to the Teoscar Hernandez, Eugenio, Ty France, and Cal Raleigh. How much production those guys give to Julio? Because I think Julio is kind of a constant at this point. And now we get to the Jared Kelnick variable. Um, I have a lot of faith in Jared Kelnick. I think he's very talented. When he hits home runs, like they're ridiculous. They're monster home runs. He's got a lot of speed. He's got great defense. So he's right there. He just hasn't clicked for him yet, and I know a lot of Mariners fans are down on him. The Mariners blogs tend to be pretty high on him. I tend to agree with the blogs. Like, he's only, what, 22, 23? It's a lot of guys haven't clicked at that age yet. He's one of those guys, if you trade, he's going to click later and you're really going to hate it, so we have to kind of live through his growing pains. I do think he's going to do better this year. He's not going to, like, hit the ground running like uh, Julio at the start of the year. It's going to take him a while, hopefully, but I have, I'm crossing my fingers here because a lot will rely on Jared Kelnick. A lot will rely on probably A.J. Pollock. I think we'll probably platoon with him in left, I would assume. We were supposed to have Taylor Tramp Tramel out there. He's uh, just injured his hamate bone, which is <laughs> the same injury that knocked down Ken Griffey back in 1989, the hamate bone. So technically you could say that Taylor Trammell is the next Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I won't say that. Anyway, so that's our lineup. I think we're pretty solid there. I know a lot of fans are... Bum, the Mariners didn't, you know, upgrade in the offseason. We didn't pursue any big name free agents. And personally, I don't, I don't know. It's not their style to go after big name free agents. So a lot of people are accusing them of being cheap. And I don't think it's necessarily being cheap. I think the mindset is the team we have now and the prospects we have now, we're going to have to pay them. That seems to be Jerry DePoto's MO. He finds these young guys, he locks them up. I think George Kirby's going to get locked up. Uh, he's got to lock up Logan Gilbert. He's got another guy in the minors, Bryce Miller. This is going to be a, the big rookie pitcher this year, I think, that they're expecting big things out of Bryce Miller. So I think that's the mindset of the Mariners. It's not so much that they're being cheap. It's that, no, we're getting ready to pay the guys we have. And I can't prove that because they've never done that in the past. But that seems to be where it's going, that DePoto has a lot of faith in the farm system we have and the prospects coming up. So I really don't think it's a cheapness thing. I think it's no, our money is going to be spent internally because wait till you see these guys coming up, which again, to me, he's earned that benefit of the doubt since Julio, Logan Gilbert and Kirby have all done that. So I kind of trust what he's doing, but we'll see. Okay. Let's go over to the pitchers here. 
Mariners just locked up Luis Castillo. He's expected to be our ace. Um, big fan of Castillo. Although personally, I still think Kirby is our ace, if you ask me. But Castillo is a proven commodity. Robbie Ray kind of had a inconsistent year last year. He will be our uh, number two or three pitcher. It'll be Ray or Gilbert. I don't know who's two or who's three. Um, I know Ray. They've said Ray and Gilbert are both working on new pitches, both working on splitters this year. Again, uh, a lot of Seattle fans are down on Robbie Ray because he was not like, you know, God coming in to save the team. He was, you know, good pitcher last year, but not like the best pitcher in the league. And then he gave up that home run in the uh, playoffs to the Astros. A lot of fans are not going to forgive him for that. But, I mean, he's a proven pitcher. I think he'll do well. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. I don't think he'll be as strong as Gilbert, Logan, or, or uh, Gilbert, Kirby, or Castillo. But, again, if Robbie Ray is your fourth best starter, that's... <laughs> the Mariners have not historically had a pitching staff that good. That's the one thing I always want to point out to people that our lineup is good, especially by Seattle standards, but like our pitching is really good and that's not something we normally get. So I'm really excited to see this Castillo, Gilbert, Ray and Kirby. You got Marco Gonzalez in there who a lot of, uh, I'll give you a little insider tip. A lot of Seattle fans want to run him out of town. They don't like him. I personally think as a number five starter, he's, quite good. I don't see any problem with that. You don't need five aces in a rotation. He's perfectly uh, salvageable innings eater who keeps his whip low. He's He keeps you in the game. I like Marco Gonzalez. But again, the name to uh, keep in mind is Bryce Miller coming up from the minors. He's the one this year I think that the Mariners are expecting to pop up and uh, contribute. And now before I sign off, I don't want to keep this too long this year, but the Mariners bullpen. This is a big thing and this is something that doesn't really you know, get mentioned a lot. Like they're historically good, this Mariners bullpen. And they've been that good for like two years. And somehow DePoto pulls these guys out of the salvage heap and they turn these guys into unbelievable, you know, closers. Not no, not closers, but just, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning fireballers. So we got Andres Munoz back this year, who is ridiculous how good he is. And he's very young too. They just locked him up for a long time. Andres Munoz will be our big ace um, again, for people who don't know Seattle, they don't historically use closers. Like Andres Munoz is our best reliever, but they'll use him in the seventh or eighth. So we don't really do get, or we don't really get good counting stats. Like if you're playing fantasy baseball, the saves aren't going to pile up because they like to rotate them around. But yeah, we got Seawald, uh, Seawald. We got Munoz. Uh, who else? Diego, Diego Castillo. Uh, we got, uh, I think this year they're getting back Casey Sadler. If you haven't looked up Casey Sadler, Google his stats from uh, 2021 and look how good he was. And then he missed all of last year and they got him back on a minor league deal. So if he bounces back, like that's another arm they got in there. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they're they going to be good. They have a solid bullpen as pretty much as good as anyone in baseball. If you saw that, you know, what, 18 inning game with Houston last year in the playoffs where we matched them inning for inning. Like that was, <laughs> that's the kind of bullpen we have. All we needed was that one extra bat last year in the playoffs, and we could have, it could have put us past Houston. And I'm hoping that Teoscar Hernandez is uh, is the one that does that this year. So anyway, yeah, that's my wrap-up of the Mariners' predictions for this season, what I think is going to happen. Jack always likes me to provide a uh, win prediction, because Jack is difficult like that. Thanks, Jack. So uh, I'll go Mike, the Mike Ditka here in the Bears, and I'll say uh, the final record is going to be Mariners, 159 wins, three losses. No, just kidding. Uh, we'll probably, I think we can win 90. I think we could significantly win more than 90 if a couple things, 
go right, but I think we're probably a lock for a winning season, if nothing else. I'm thinking 85, 86 wins is a probably good baseline estimate of where they're going to be. But I personally, I'm just going to throw one out and pull one out of my butt here and say 94 wins. I'm going to go 94 wins. And I'm hoping this is the year we beat Houston. I'm hoping for every one of you out there in the world who hates the GD Houston Astros, I hope this is the year we topple them for you and we become the darlings of baseball. So anyway, thanks, Jack. Thanks for uh, letting me do my little predictions. And I will talk to you guys later. So as I I always enjoy hearing from Mario, and I'm sure we'll be having him on sometime pretty soon as the season gets going, probably in the early part of the season, talk some ball, talk some Mariners. He mainly focuses on the Mariners and some of the other AL West teams, but maybe that'll change now that we have this new schedule and he'll be paying attention to some other teams outside of the American League now that we no longer do the interleague kind of stuff as a showcase. Now it's going to be happening all the time, nonstop. We discussed that. So we discussed a lot today, and hopefully you guys enjoyed part one of our MLB preview series. Well, we've got five more of these where this came from. So we got AL Central, AL East, NL Central, NL East, and NL West. Make sure you guys subscribe to this show. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're watching it on Facebook or YouTube and you want to be able to listen to it and take it on the go, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, all of the podcast apps. So make sure that you subscribe and you don't miss out on any of that. We've got a lot of good content coming out soon. And then we'll, throughout the regular season, we'll be having guests on and talking some ball. It's going to be a great, great time and a great season. And I'm very much looking forward to what we've got in the works over the next several months. Many players, I'm about to head out to spring training, so make some new connections, have some more people on. It's going to be a fun year. You guys can follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show on Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram. And until our next preview episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.